Hello, and welcome to A Culture of Innovation. I'm Nancy Ridge, and I'm thrilled to have you join us today as we explore turning ideas into tangible ways to create business outcomes. We look at how we can make innovation really a way of life to cultivate and nurture and attract the best partners, customers, and employees. We get to hear from leaders who embrace innovation and demonstrate it in their businesses, their communities, and their lives. And a good example of that is our guest today, Will Yaffe, who's become a good friend of mine in a short period of time. So happy to have you with us. Truly an example of an innovative leader. His background is 30 years of international entrepreneurship experience in information technology. He began by founding Intent back in 1993 at the age of 23. Intent was a knowledge management firm in South America. <laughs> so young. <laughs> by 1999, Will had grown the business to three regional offices. That same year, the firm was acquired by an American B2B firm, which Will joined as VP of Emerging Markets, where he successfully launched a partner program covering the Americas. Will moved on to 2000, in 2003 to start Tidwit, whose mission is to enable ecosystems to scale the delivery of business knowledge from technology providers and their partners around the world. His work has taken him to five continents launching learning initiatives and training programs and deploying Tidwit platforms that are transforming technology communities worldwide. Will holds a master's in public administration and international development from Harvard and an MBA from George Mason University. Welcome, Will. Very much, Nancy, appreciate you having me. And I would like to begin with a question that I like to ask all of our guests. And that is, what is one example of innovation that you've seen deliver great business outcomes? So, you know, in my years of doing uh, so much work with uh, different organizations and, and, and partnerships, really, I have seen, I guess, one of the most exciting things that, that we've been working on and seeing develop more and more is taking uh, the business relationship uh, from something that was uh, somewhat a manual process to something that's completely, uh, you know, enriched. Uh, and automated, uh, but still maintaining that special relationship between organizations and people within the organizations. This transformation uh, of these relationships and expanding these relationships and enriching them, uh, you know, is what you know gets us up every morning. And, and we're extremely excited about uh, some of the technologies that that are helping do this, particularly as it pertains to ecosystems. And we can talk a little bit more about that. But but that's really what gets us really excited with innovation, which with respect to ecosystems, we see it as basically the next frontier of digital mm. transformation. Mm -hmm. I, I would agree. I love that term. Um, what innovation would you like to see gain the most adoption? Uh, which one would I like or which one is um, am I seeing? I guess they <laughs> happen to be more or less aligned in this case, which is this, this concept of uh, of a, of a digital, digitized or digital ecosystem spreading uh, across different organizations all over the world and helping them connect to one another and helping them do business much more effectively, you know, on the same page with full insight in terms of what's going on. And we're, we're seeing it in this day and age with COVID, which is really exciting. Uh, 
you know, I was having a conversation the other day with, with another, with a, with a fellow CEO that we were having a, a you know, kind of a, a, a socially distant conversation. And we're wondering how, if, if the same thing would have happened 20 years ago when we were at the beginning or 30 years ago, mm -hmm. the beginning of our careers, how would the world have been able to react? And, and the answer is probably not as efficiently and not as well as it is now considering, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and all of this, a lot of this is due really to digital transformation, but also what this digital transformation or the extensibility of this digital transformation into the area of relationship through this, this world of cloud ecosystems. And I see this uh, extending or expanding into every organization in the world where everybody's connected to everybody somehow, and it's being done in a much more efficient way uh, than some of the technologies available today. And so this is what we refer to as an ecosystems network, the ability of having all of these separate organizations, each of which is an ecosystem, connect to one another uh, on a single network that makes it really easy, really insightful, and very, very, very powerful uh, going mm -hmm. forward. Uh, so mm -hmm. that, those are the technologies, at least in the areas that we're focused on, uh, that we feel uh, are going to be deployed massively going forward. Absolutely. And, you know, as CEO of Tidwet, I'm sure that, you know, that whole adoption of these technologies to really mesh together organizations and individuals is very exciting and gratifying to see how it's happening. But it's also got a tremendous uh, business capability. Uh, as I was sharing with you um, before we did our, our talk here today, I've been looking at a number of studies and even going back to 2019, pre-COVID, IDC did a fairly extensive study on ecosystems and what they saw was that partners who adopted an ecosystem model were predicted to grow 50% faster than participants who did not. And based on what you had just shared, I, I'm sure they would find that that number increasing today. At, with this current disruption, you know, to the workforce and to the economy, how it's accelerated this need for ecosystems, pushing them into this uh, area where they have to deploy faster and faster. Yet, I think there are still many who are unsure exactly of what an, a business ecosystem is. Can you help us a little bit by offering your definition? Sure. I mean, an ecosystem is, um, we look at it as a business ecosystem, then we look at it as a digital ecosystem. So a business ecosystem is really an organization with all the connection points that it has with other individuals or organizations uh, that it needs to operate or work with in order to fulfill its mission. So uh, we can take any example. You could take a, for example, a manufacturer. A manufacturer might have upstream providers or vendors of the prime material that they need. Um, so that's part of their ecosystem. They might have partners that they work with. Uh, that's what we call side stream uh, organizations that they partner with in order to maybe put together their products or design their products, etc. And then they've got their downstream, which are their customers and maybe the customers of their customers. All of this together uh, is what forms an ecosystem or a business ecosystem to that organization. Now, if we if you take a step back from this and you see each one of those organizations, all of them, how they connect with one another, then you know what you start seeing is that an ecosystem is not focused on one organization, but in reality, an ecosystem is more like a network that connects all of these players together seamlessly. 
Now let's move to what a business digital ecosystem is. It's trying to take this manual process and it's trying to provide you know, efficiencies through digitization that allow all of this ecosystem to move at the same speed. So the, the IDC studies and other studies that have come from Accenture, et cetera, what they're essentially trying to say to these organizations is if you think you're a silo, you're not gonna survive for long. <laughs> right. And if you think of yourself as an ecosystem, you gotta start thinking about how you take that ecosystem on a journey towards becoming fully digitized so that everybody within the ecosystem is on the same page, running efficiently, getting the same insight. And that's what's gonna differentiate in the future the successful organizations from the failures. Right, right. And you know, um, the point that leads me to is that really all ecosystems are not created equal at this point. Um, perhaps you could share with us where Tidwit takes this concept to a different place. And uh, I recently got to speak about ecosystems and their evolution. We cited Apple as an example because it's one that people clearly know and understand what the Apple ecosystem looks like. But is the Tidwood model, um, I believe it's taken it to the next level. And I'm curious if you could share with us a little bit about how that happens. Yeah, I mean, when people talk about ecosystems, they, they often give the examples of the salient ecosystems out there that everybody uh, in one way or another have, have, have worked with, uh, mm -hmm. Apple being one of them, or Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and these are massive monolithic type ecosystems, not very easy to emulate. You only have one Apple in the world, right? right? It's an awesome <laughs> company, it's an awesome ecosystem, but it's only one, right? Um, so Amazon is the same thing in a totally different area. And then you've got the Microsoft ecosystem, et cetera. Uh, but all of these are monoliths, what we call the monolithic ecosystem, which is one huge player in the middle and everybody kind of connecting for them on their own systems, on their own. This is one model, right? The model that's emerging when it comes to ecosystem is what we call the, the plural or pluralistic ecosystem, right? Uh, and that ecosystem is a lot more democratized where you have a lot of organizations connecting to a whole lot of other organizations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so if you wanted to kind of have, uh, you know, um, a kind of like an example, you could look at how computing used to be back in the seventies with the mainframe and how right. it think about 30 years forward and how the internet democratized, first of all, the publishing process, but also the access process. Mm -hmm. And that's what a monolithic ecosystem, you could look at it as a one size fits all kind of a monolithic model like the mainframe, whereas the ecosystem network, which is Tidwitz model, is one that's democratized almost like the PC and internet that mm -hmm. allow competing, but this time at the ecosystem level for everybody. And so it's a very democratized model that allows many to many connectivity, saving time, saving effort, uh, saving integration points and making it really easier and quicker for organizations to not only launch their ecosystem, but connect to a whole lot of other ecosystems in the world. One other point I'd like to make is that these large ecosystems, uh, such as Apple's and, and, and excuse me, um, Amazon's, et cetera, they're huge enough that they can uh, essentially do their own thing, right? Mm -hmm. Other ecosystems around the world are not that big or not that dominant. And so they can't think in monolithic terms. They have to think in pluralistic terms. 
And so that's basically a natural progression of ecosystems into that pluralistic democratized environment where everybody's connecting to everybody on a standardized uh, network or ecosystems network as opposed to attempting and unfortunately failing at it, uh, attempting to create these monolithic models that don't work except for a handful of very large players. Which I see that as a real distinction that Tidwood is bringing to the marketplace um, with how you're currently deploying your ecosystems. You know, being a part of the channel, uh, I am always watching these types of innovations very closely and also reading the analyst reports to see what they're predicting and how it's going to impact our channel. And I have seen uh, some reports that have come out recently, you know, discussing this and really looking at, at what you're describing, you know, this um, evolution, if you will, of the ecosystem to this polylithic type of model could very easily transform even our channel and how it can affect, you know, so many other smaller organizations. Can uh, I, I think um, just recently there was an analyst who talked about that, like the possibility of it. Can you expand on that a little bit and kind of what we're, we're seeing in the future? My conversations, yes, uh, I mean, precisely in my conversations with a lot of uh, the analysts, um, uh, what they describe is that uh, a lot of these channel programs that used to exist with, you know, kind of segmenting partners into silver, gold, the platinum, all that kind of stuff. Metal. All of these are, are shifting into an ecosystems model that allows for, you know, both transactional and non-transactional partners to easily connect and be enabled in order to essentially co-sell, co-market, co-deliver, co-support, all that kind of stuff. Now, here's where it becomes interesting. In the past, in the monolithic model, you would you would be a partner of one big guy, right? Right. Want to be partners with, or want to partner with many of these players. So mm -hmm. if each is imposing a totally different exogenous system that you, you can't really operate with, it makes your life as a partner extremely difficult. It's not mm -hmm. scalable. Um, and you're basically not going to seriously do it. The ecosystem network model changes this because essentially it's saying, look, plug into the network and anybody else who's on the network, you essentially can be plugged in with the same standardized methods, with the same content, uh, sharing methods, uh, workflow methods, all that kind of stuff. You can all start sharing together, uh, metrics, etc. And so this is a whole different approach because now you don't have to make a choice that's going to hurt your business. Now you can actually make a choice almost instantaneously and say, okay, I'm plugging in, I'm in my ecosystem is connected, my ecosystem instances, et cetera, are connected to the network and I can connect to any one of these vendors that I strategically need to connect to be connected to, to either do transactional or non-transactional, uh, you know, activities with. And, and that's the transformation that's happening. It's a sea change. It sounds easy, it's not. It's a whole sea change, and the numbers are massive. We're talking about tens of thousands of mm -hmm. companies that are looking to connect to one another, et cetera, something which cannot be done in a monolithic model. Forget right, about right. It. Not just the big guys, because you know the market is demanding more choice. And wow. it is so agile these days. You know, the channel's working in this this COVID-19 environment, it, it has profoundly changed. Uh, also in the area of, of MDF, you know, marketing funds 
and, and how we're partnering. Uh, what channel alliance skills are needed now to be successful in your opinion? Can they translate to the management of the ecosystem? Uh, it's gotta go there. Uh, so not everybody within the alliance really understand where ecosystems are headed. And so there is a lot of evangelization and a lot of education that is needed to happen with alliance managers to shift from the pure alliance transaction to a more visionary and a more inclusive approach. Mm -hmm. The inclusivity is also extremely important because some of these alliance, um, the traditional role has been molded. You know, you want to mold your alliance. Uh, whereas the, the, the new approach is more inclusive, more inclusivity and more openness. Uh, that also requires a certain, uh, you know, kind of, some of it is attitude, uh, change in attitude and vision in terms of the alliance. Another part of it is a change in the systems that are supporting you to get it done. Uh, and both of these we're facing when we're discussing with organizations. They understand the need. They know that their traditional systems are not quite what they need to get to their next steps. They just don't know what, you know, how to go from your traditional channel program to an ecosystems based and all the systems that are needed to get you there and support you as you do it. Uh, but I think the alliances have the most valuable component of, of all of this, which is the business relationship. As long yeah. as you keep that business relationship going, then all the rest can just be supportive of that. At the end of the day, it's about improving the business relationship. It's about driving it at the speed of what we like to call the speed of the cloud, which is increasing launches and the velocity of products. Mm -hmm. Stressing this alliance, this manual alliance approach places stress on it. With an ecosystems approach, it basically releases that stress and it allows these alliance guys to go back to focusing on the relationship and all the base stuff of all the flows, workflows, document sharing and knowledge sharing and, and support and all that, that becomes a large part automated. And they go back yes. to which is. Yes. Yeah, that optimization of the ecosystem to really automate enablement is such a tremendous benefit. Um, which I see as really part of the value prop from Tidwit. Can you describe how uh, your platform collects data and how that data can be effectively used by members of the ecosystem? Also, perhaps expanding a bit on the analytics tools and the benefits that users could expect to receive from both the tools and the data? You bet. Now, with data, uh, ecosystems actually solve a huge problem. With the monolithic, the data always was owned by the vendor. Right. And there was very little insight from a lot of these partners as to their own activities. With an ecosystems approach, they actually have full insight in real time of all the activities of each one of their own uh, you know, each one of the organizations' own sets of users and, and activities, et cetera, et cetera. So in that case, what, what, our, what, our, or, uh, what the Tidwit platform does is it collects all of this and each one of the uh, uh, ecosystem instances owns, collects, owns, and controls its own data. Now, what do we allow to be shared? What we allow depends on the relationship between the partners. If the partners wanna you know, open up PII sharing as in you know, uh, all the personally identifiable information, we open up the gates and they can be shared. If the, if the two organizations don't want that, we could still share activity uh, information, but it becomes PII protected. 
So that becomes a sanitized approach to how you manage, as opposed to there being a conflict between these organizations, mm -hmm. it becomes a systematic thing that the organizations agree upon and gets shared or not shared. Another reason science here is, is becomes one of the key benefits of an ecosystems approach. So that's, that's one thing. The other key thing is, in doing so as a network, what Tidwood essentially is doing is collecting a lot of data from all of these organizations. And we could start com coming up with, through artificial intelligence and business intelligence models, with things that benefit all of them. Trends, uh, benchmarks, mm -hmm. uh, projections, predictive analytics, all of that kind of stuff that was never available to any of these guys can now be shared with them without placing at risk any of the proprietary information of each one of these different ecosystems that are connected. In other words, it benefits everybody and it doesn't hurt anybody. For example, I'll give you an example. If okay. an organization wants to launch an enablement campaign uh, to enable, we're talking here numbers, by the way, with okay. ecosystems and enablement ecosystems, we're not talking a dozen people, 10, 20, 30 people. Big numbers. 10,000, we're talking 30,000, we're talking 50,000. Our <laughs> average ecosystem uh, is 26,000. The size of our average ecosystem is about 26,000 employees in an organization. Wow. Uh, what, what, what's, what's being filtered down? What's being filtered down is activities, etc., and then trends. And so I'll give you this scenario. Uh, an organization, let's say uh, a GSI, a Global Systems Integrator, is interested in launching a campaign for 25,000 of its engineers. And it needs to know when to launch it uh, and how many iterations. It needs to see what is the best configuration of, of the campaign. Uh, it needs to, to see how many follow-ups it does. It needs to collect all that information. It needs to maybe create a workflow uh, for voucher or MDF uh, mm -hmm. usage. Uh, and then it needs to report it all the way up to HR. So then we combine all the business intelligence networks to provide it a step-by-step -step approach for how to get it done. Uh, how, how best to do it? Uh, you know, who do you, uh, when should you launch it? Should you launch it on a Monday or a Tuesday? Uh, should your uh, communities launch, should you launch it to all 25,000 at the same time or should you do it 1,000 at a time? Uh, what's the metrics that you need to be looking at in order to benchmark yourself against other GSIs that have launched similar campaigns to, mm -hmm. to see whether you're successful, whether you're doing a better job, what do you need to do in order to make it more uh, successful? All that kind of stuff you can collect through a network approach. Whereas when it was siloed in all of these monolithic models, you could never get that. And so it was just trial and error, it took forever. And repeating the same error over yeah. and over and over again because everybody was doing the same thing over and over again and placing it all. <laughs> And they, they can learn from one another. Yes, and, and people weren't being served. You know, exactly. you heard uh, a lot of complaints, you know, out there. And I think uh, that is just such a breakthrough. And I know that you've got a number of organizations who are already benefiting, you know, from this type of situation. Is there any, um, you just gave me an example. Is that a, a live example from an existing situation? Like, have you got one where they, they've done this? And 
that, uh, we, especially within COVID, we've been uh -huh. working very closely with some of the GSIs. The reason I mentioned GSIs is it wasn't just picking it out of the air, it was because we, they've been some of our yeah. uh, largest uh, deployers lately because of the bench resources that they've got. So in COVID, they've had to bench their resources. They couldn't be on planes doing all the work. And so they said, okay, what are we going to do with these guys? And, and the best thing is to enable them to the wave that they know is coming. Uh -huh. And so when, when they wanted to do that, they sat down and they said, okay, we need to start really kind of proactively, uh, scientifically, in a very smart and efficient way, uh, getting a lot of these guys enabled. How do we do that? And that's why they were coming to Tidwit. Interesting. Uh, automated the entire process from them, for them, end to end, and provided them metrics that they would not have had anywhere else because we have a network that you know, shares this kind of benchmarking data and give them, gives them predictive analytics, whereas there is, this doesn't exist anywhere else. You know, I know this is slightly off topic, but I can't help but think that this might create some sort of path for education, you know, for schools, because, you know, we're going to need to revamp the whole learning process for our kids. How interesting, you know, that that these types of models are beginning to emerge in the business community. Maybe they'll create some benchmark for you know for the educational community down the road it's, it's a fascinating uh, comment that you just made nancy because what uh what we see is the first adopters of ecosystems have been it mm -hmm. uh, it and of course <laughs> right because they they're it guys and all the integration all that kind of stuff however now it's starting to move into the verticals and some of the salient verticals that we're seeing include education Mm-hmm. That's one of the bigger ones uh, okay. because, you know, knowledge is connected. You cannot disconnect knowledge. And so this is a way for you to enable uh, organizations, uh, you know, very easily. Why can't a great course that's, say, coming from a university like Harvard be shared within the ecosystems of other universities around the world, with Harvard's permission, of course, or right. a university that has awesome professors? Why can't this be shared? Why are they siloed? Yeah to see this within different verticals pharma being another one uh, mm -hmm. uh, because of what's happening with COVID they want to share knowledge they want to be able to speed up the process of enablement so pharma is another one that's moving as well uh, but we see in almost every industry potentially affected by this ecosystem revolution that's happening because every single industry in the world has ecosystems that's how businesses right. work whether we like it or we don't yes well, you have certainly uh, created a lot of inspiration in this conversation today. And there are so many more questions that I would love to ask and find out. So hopefully you'll come back um, on another day, Will, and we can, we can dig deeper into this topic. But I do have one more question that I'd like to ask you before we finish today, which is how have you seen innovation change the culture within your own organization your home or your community? It's fascinating. I mean, we started as a as an internet-based company, but still the face-to-face, the -face, et cetera, is, is so important for, has always been so important. And, and, and we love to meet and, and party together and stuff like that. <laughs> but I think what we've also, what, what I've noted over the past five, six months in COVID is that technology has helped us maintain our humanity. It's a strange thing to say, uh, because I don't think we can, I hope we don't have to uh, live like this forever, and I, I'm right. confident we won't. But 
in the meantime, uh, we would have had two choices, you know, not being able to be close to everybody like you know, you and I are talking right now, or this choice of us being able to do it through technology. And, and this has been, you know, a, uh, a great, at least motivator for us, because just like in, in life, also in business, uh, some people might not be able to meet uh, or go to, you know, enable in personal, in the personal basis, etc. But at least we give them a choice and that hopefully will maintain their business relationships uh, in, a, in, a, in a way just like we're now uh, maintaining our humanity through technology. Yeah. So th that's kind of how we see it. Yeah, and you know that kind of comes full circle to the beginning of our discussion and the conversation you were having with your friend, you know, about what would it have been like if this had happened before we had, you know, video the way we have and all of these tools today. I, I can't I, imagine. How it yes. Yeah, I'm grateful for that too. I very much so. And I'll just close by thanking you for the work that you're doing because. Uh, it's really important and it's helping all of us look to the future um, with hope and, you know, with anticipation. So once again, thanks for being a guest here today. And I look forward to seeing what's next for Tidwit and uh, hopefully we'll get to talk again. Thanks, Will. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks for having me.